appreciate you guys. Um, but let's go ahead and get started. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Yahweh's sight. He is our strength and our redeemer, and it is in his name, which is his authority, that we pray, praise, proclaim, project, and protect. Today's uh, message, Aman. Um, Shabbat Shalom. Yechaserah. Everybody, I am Pastor Kofi, Pastor Servant of Christ, where we are always changing lives one mind at a time, but being a voice of the voices and speaking the unspoken. We're in uh, the midst of a new series called Reverse Mythology, and we thank you guys for being on. Uh, we give all honor and praise, as always, to the Most High, Yechava Elohim. We give our praise and honor to him for my wife, the Honorable Amma, who lives in life, is able to be honored. As always, you can check her out on TikTok, YouTube, her website, and Pinterest at Bloom and Flourish. Not A-N-D, the letter N, Bloom and Flourish. She is a healer. Herbalist, chemist, and biologist, biologist by degree. Thank everybody for being on with us and joining us. We very much so appreciate your presence. And um, we thank you for being on with us today. Shabbat Shalom once again to everybody, to the moderators, ministerial staff, SOC, Lottie Dottie, everybody. Appreciate you. If, you, if it's your first time, one time of many, uh, hopefully you enjoyed today. If you want to go ahead, we're going to um, obviously deal with mythology, so we won't be diving too much into staying in the word exactly the way that we're used to. Um, line upon line, precept upon precept, although we shall come out of that context. Um, but um, if you'd like to turn with us, our focal verse today will be uh, coming out of Exodus chapter 20. If you want to go there, once you have to say amen, say I got it, say I'm with you. And if you're able to reverence the word of Yehovah, including if you're able to stand with us for the reading, um, we appreciate you doing so in advance. Let's say hello to everybody while that's going on. How you doing, Auntie Marion, Sister Carla, Minister Shante, Sister Joy, uh, Yah uh, is my guide, uh, Sister Mignon, Defante One, Sister Sheila, Yosef, Chi Rican, thanks for being part of the community. Uh, or Shy Rican, I'm not sure, it might be Shy Rican. Uh, if you're dealing with the Chicago thing, please forgive me uh, for the mispronunciation. How you doing, Flash? How you doing, Sister Beverly? Uh, Catherine, thanks for being part of the community. Lion Dyer, everybody, thank you. Big Zoe, Big Brother Thomas, Monique, uh, Sh 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 uh, sorry, I don't know why I've been messing your name up lately. Shatha aside, uh, <laughs> please forgive me. How you doing, Sister Monica? Everybody, we appreciate you. Terry, if you're still on with us, and everybody who's coming on. If I miss your name on any of the platforms, charge it to my head, not to my heart. How you doing, Sister Renee? Um, don't forget. Today, besides our norm, right, we have the podcast uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern New York time. We've got our Shabbat school for the children, 11 a.m. Eastern New York time. And then for everybody, if you'd like to join us for the SOC community meeting, that's going to be at 1230 p.m. Eastern New York time. Hopefully everybody's gotten the message already. Um, and the reminder and the Google Calendar invite, uh, you should get that about, well, about noon eastern so you're gonna have about 30 minutes to prepare yourself and then you should get another another reminder the link will be in there that we'll be using so feel free to go ahead and look in that link for further instruction and guide um yeah thank you everybody in patreon everybody who's been part of this we started the series yesterday so we thank you oh and sisters don't forget that you have the women's meeting tonight 7 p.m. Eastern New York time, all right? And we will be having more information. I'll try during the SOC community meeting to get more information as far as the exact locations of our first three holy days where we'll be meeting up. So if you're interested in physically joining us or virtually, of course, we'll make sure that we give you some holy day information coming up and hopefully we'll have some updates during the meeting for you all. Am I? Alrighty. And um, those who are going to be joining us, uh, we'll have some additions. Those who will be joining us for our normal 4.30 p.m. Eastern New York time meeting that we have, we have some additions coming over from across the pond. So if you're in the U.K., um, 
We'd love for you to join us. We're going to try to do something similar with those who are in Jamaica at some point, too, or in the Caribbean, period. So, uh, Or if you are somebody who is of Jamaican descent in some way, shape, or form, um, we're going to have something specific for you guys helping to strategize with things we're trying to do in the Caribbean. But today, uh, those who are in uh, across the pond, those of you, I'll try to send out something to each and every one of you that we have your information. But if you're in the UK, we'd love to be able, if you're able to join us on Zoom about 430 New York time. Uh, we have something specific and special for you and those who are actually interested as well with helping out with some prison stuff. As far as prison ministry, um, we're finally able to, uh, to at least start taking some suggestions and seeing where people are located and what they're willing to do, how they're willing to help. Amen. Uh, also, too, we ask that you guys keep Minister Morell in prayer. Not doing too well. He was actually supposed to give the word today. More than likely, I'll be giving the word in the stead. So if you guys can go ahead and keep him in prayer, we greatly appreciate that. I'm up. I'm on. All right, here we go again. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 20. Once you have it, say amen. Say, I got it. I'm with you. I see some got it. Some amens. How you doing, Sister Betty? How you doing, T. How? Uh, how you doing, Minister Steven? How you doing? Uh, ten toes down. What up? Um, how you doing, Pearl? If I didn't say so already. Just banks, everybody. Appreciate you. We're getting into reverse psychology today. We're going to continue where we left off. Uh, but let's go ahead and start with scripture. Always one of the best ways you can start. Come on. Exodus chapter 20. And uh, we're going to get ready to say our Bible place. So if you want to put your right hand in the air, your device, or your uh, Bible, and just repeat after me, then we'll start reading Exodus chapter 20. It goes along the lines of this. It says this. It says, this is my Bible. This is my sword. And this will I trust. For Yahashvah is Lord. No sword of God shall ever be heard. For this is my Bible. And this is Yah's word. Adsham Yechavach. Aman, in Yehovah's name, amen. All right, here we go. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. It goes like this. How you doing, Pastor Hamilton? Grand rising to you, sir. Um, and Elohim speak all these words, saying, I am Yehovah Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Kemet, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other forms of Elohim or no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of, of that in heaven above or that in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, Yehovah Elohim, jealous, a jealous Elohim, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers of Abbas before you upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. That's a strong word, right? Because hate doesn't mean the action. It actually means the inaction, right? He who spared the rod hated the child, right? The inaction, okay? Verse, uh, verse six, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and do what? And keep my commandments. Ooh. Thou shalt not take the name of Yehovah in vain, for Yehovah shall not hold him guiltless that take his name in vain. Remember Shabbat, to keep it hakodash, to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat unto Yehovah Thou shalt not do any work, Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days, Yehovah Elohim made heaven and earth, 
the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, Yehovah blessed Shabbat, right? Or Yam Shabbat. He blessed Yam Shabbat. Barak, Yehovah Barak Yam Shabbat and handled it and set it apart. We just read um, some, some, of, some of Exodus chapter 20, the first four commandments on the tablets that uh, Moses, Masansur, Mashach, has received. May Yehovah have a blessing to the readers, the hearers, and especially the doers of his most holy word. You may be seated or go back to what you were doing in the presence of Yehovah if you were reading with us. We thank you so much. And um, hey, how you doing, Brother Alex? Uh, Shabbat Shalom to everybody again. How you doing, Sister Deborah? How you doing, Sean, Damon? Everybody, we appreciate you so very much, and we're thankful and grateful to you. Um, how you doing? All right, how you doing? Sonic Love. If I miss your name on any of the platforms, shout it to my head, not to my heart. How you doing, Brother Ali? Hopefully all is well with you. So today we're going to continue in this series called Reverse Mythology. Reverse Mythology, we started off yesterday with like an introduction, um, trying to show the cultural effect of a lot of this mythology and why it's important that we dive, in, dive into it. We're going to use this weekend today for a shorter amount of time than we normally do um, because we've just got about a, a, you know um, an hour and a half or so before we get ready to go into our podcast. And then um, tomorrow we'll revisit this and continue where we leave off. And we're actually leaving off from where we left off yesterday. I'll do a little bit of repeating yesterday, but um, we're going to talk heavily today about Zeus and tomorrow about Zeus. So you can look at this as Zeus part one to go with this series that we've been dealing in and dealing with. How you doing, Sister Sabrea? Right. And once again, we look forward to everybody. If you're across the pond, if you can join us about 4.30 p.m. New York time today, we'll have a Zoom meeting specifically. Well, not only for you guys, but for some things that we're doing and also um, to allow you guys to kind of partake and we can fi finally start getting some stuff together. How you doing, Brother Charles uh, or Charlie? So we, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on with us. So today we're going to talk about Zeus. Now, why did the Holy Spirit direct us, right? Uh, maybe you have that question. If we're talking about Zeus, why would we even come out the Bible in the first place? Well, we went to these first 10 commandments, really the first four out of 10, because we need to remember that there is only one Alechem, right? And we're reversing the mythology. The myth is based off of something, right? There's an old saying, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Many of you have heard that saying before, that there is nothing new under the sun. Well, the same thing. There's really not anything new as far as even these myths. These myths have to be based off of something that came before. Remember, if you're going to lie, you still have to tell the truth to a certain degree. Every lie starts off on some truth. Even if the it, it starts to break apart from the truth, it has to be based off of some truth. And so you have to ask yourself, did Greek mythology come first? Or did the scrolls of Yehovah come first? How you doing, Dia? Thank you for being on, right? And hopefully, Sister Deborah, you've, hopefully you're feeling better as well. Hopefully all went well. I apologize. I don't think I checked in with you yesterday, right? So once again, we got to ask the question, which one came first? Now, this is one of the things people try to use against us who believe in the Bible because they try to tell you the Bible didn't even exist until 400 years ago. No, that's, that's, that's not, first of all, that's not accurate anyways. Secondly, if you're talking about 1611 version or if you're talking about the 1591 version or whatever, those are just versions of the Bible, right? Um, but the scrolls themselves, many of them, which aren't even featured in the 66 books, did they come before the Greek mythology or did they come after 
The answer is they came before, right? How you doing, Yasalma? And how you doing, Sister Betty, if I didn't say so already? Right? Shabbat Shalom to everybody coming on all the platforms. Thank you for joining us on the podcast, YouTube, TikTok, and later on those coming on from Facebook. So if we know that this stuff, watch, not even did the, not only, amen, I'm glad you're doing well. So not only did the Greek mythology come after, the Greek language comes after what's in the what was originally written, which means that we can't just read the Bible based off of Greek language only, as if Greek language can tell you what the Bible means, because the Septuagint, even in itself, the first Bible or Biblio set of books that was in Greek, actually is the like the fifth version or so of the actual um, Bible, the versions of the Bible, when people started putting them in a Biblios, a Bible, a set of books, a set of scrolls, right? Remember, there weren't a set of scrolls. You kept the scrolls. The scrolls were kept in the temple. Many people walked around with copies of the scroll. Many people had to memorize the scrolls where they could write them out themselves. The Levites, especially um, uh, the scribes, they had to be able to write it out, a lot of them by memory and huge portions of it. Matter of fact, in order to become a man or a woman in our, in our society, you had to be able to at least recite, if not write out, the scrolls, or else we would not even say you were a man or a woman yet. You had to at least huge parts of it, right? Huge quantities of it must be written out and written out perfect or very close to it, because that's how much it meant to us, Right? Hello, Molly. How you doing again? Yeah, you got your 15 minutes yesterday. If you want to listen, you're more than welcome to listen. I'm thankful to have you on again, and, and, and we can keep doing this, right? So if you'd like to actually hear the context of what we're talking about, then feel free, right? Also, too, make sure that you put Buddha in there, right? And make sure that you put, uh, make sure you put uh, many different, what people call Hindu people in there. Make sure that you're putting Ra in there. Make sure that you're putting the Nancy in there. Make sure that you're putting Zeus in there. Make sure that you're putting yourself and your people in there because they believe that they are gods, right? Okay. They, they are gods over their old lives, but you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to deal with that on your own today. I appreciate you. And I'll let the moderators deal with stuff if you want to keep being disrespectful, but thank you for coming back. <laughs> Amen. And I appreciate you and I appreciate your heart, even if you've come to despise me. I love I, I, much love towards you. Right. So so in all these things that we're talking about. Right. We have to get to this place where we realize we have to reverse the mythology. Which one came first? See, the myth, one of the myths is, is that the Greeks came before. The reality, though, is that the Greeks didn't even have an alphabet, which is what you use. You use Greek writing. How you doing, Kiana? Thanks for being part of the community, right? Um, but they didn't even have their own writing yet. And people say, no, that doesn't make sense. Where, yeah, we know that it makes sense because people try to say, for example, you have to know Aramaic to know the Bible. But Aramaic people back then, they didn't use their own writing. They used Hebrew writing, right? So they spoke Aramaic, but in order to write what they spoke, they had to still know Hebrew, because they didn't have writing of their own. And for people who say, that doesn't make sense. No, you're making that up. Well, you speak Anglo-ish, which is a mix of many different cultures and languages and presence. Shabbat Shalom, Minister Nice, how you doing? You speak Anglo-ish, which is a, a lot of different things mixed together. You call it English. You don't even know that it's really not an actual language. That's why there's many rules that get broken in all the time. And there's certain things called silent letters, which are not even a thing, right? If a letter is somewhere, you're supposed to pronounce it. Right. Unless you're talking about somebody's saying a word and when they're saying the word, they know that the letter actually represents something. But because of how they say it contextually, they just don't say it when they're saying certain words in the flow of the language. Right. But but you speak English and you write in Greek. Right. So even though you don't realize, you know, Greek, you actually are or at least are not aware that you're aware of Greek. You actually have to be know Greek enough to be able to write out what your English mindset says you have to meld at least two cultures together just to be able to write a sentence 
See, so this is the myth that many people are under, right? This is the myth that many people are under, which is, hey, this stuff is just made up, blah, blah. But if you're talking about the scrolls, the scrolls exist thousands of years before there's a Greek alphabet. Matter of fact, it was called the Alabites, and today we would call it the Alphabet because people are more into the changing of the word than the original word, right? So, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that's uttered out of the mouth of Elohim, right? And if we don't know how to interpret it, then we have a problem. If we don't know how to interpret things, then we have a problem, right? If we don't know what the culture is and what the relevance is of something, then we do not have a problem. Matter of fact, if we do not know what the word usage was, then you're going to have a problem. For example, somebody who would talk about a slave. A slave is coming from a word called Slavic. A Slavic person is not even what you think of. We, we usually just go to the Slavic people. I've been guilty of that before myself. I've had to repent of that even somewhat recently in my life because we'll only talk about Slavic as in modern Slavic people, but forget that the word Slav actually comes from um, people who are talking about Norse theology, where those gods had Slavs, slaves. And you are allowed to treat people as slaves a certain way. In the Bible, when they say slave and this and that, somebody wrote that in. But really, if you go back and you read it in its original interpretation, you'll discover that that's actually talking about indentured servitude, right? So indentured servitude, and if you look at the culture of Israel, you're not allowed to have indentured servants but a certain amount of time. Every seventh year, everybody's supposed to have their their debt wiped clear. That's if you go seven years in your indentured servitude. And then if you even get to a place of talking about um, what you call slaves, right? That's actually dealing with the Kemetic stuff. The laws are put in place to protect the rights even of the slaves. And when people say, well, you could do this to a slave if they did something wrong. Yeah, you could also do it to a free person or an Israelite that wasn't in indentured servitude. You could still do that same thing. So if somebody off the baby in a womb, right? That slave could be drugged for it. Well, if somebody off the baby in the womb, well, then that free person could be drugged for it. But you're, you're even using free versus indentured servant. Indentured servant, even the indentured servant had to have their life taken care of, their household had to be taken care of, things of that, right? So people are not aware that of the myths that have gone on, and you're getting them from other cultures. That's right. When we were freed from Kemet, we could not have slaves. Matter of fact, many Kemetic people came out of Kemet with us. And therefore, they were still trying to enslave people. And we had gone through hundreds of years thinking that was all right, too. And so there's a lot of laws because laws don't give rights. Laws protect rights. How you doing, Gezza? How you doing, James? Here's another one. What about the universe? If there's natural law that the universe is governed by, that means that the natural law has to precede the universe. Because laws don't give rights. Laws protect rights. You see? So, so laws... Are, are created to ensure that you're, that whatever's coming in is has to be within something. If there's a universal law, everything that is there has to be within that law. What does universe even mean? Universe means a single spoken sentence. Uni, un, uno, un, and verse. Sentence, right? So a universe is a single spoken sentence, right? We cannot just devalue that. So that means that anything that is going to be universal law and it's going to be natural law, it cannot exist outside of right that's why Yehovah is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ever ask or think that means he can go outside of what you ask or think when you ask him for a blessing he goes outside of it and does something even greater than what you can do why because as great as your mind is it's only as great as what has been created universally so if he can go outside of the universe because he exists outside of it because you can't create what you're inside of so if he exists 
in and out of the universe. He has the ability to step out of the universe to bless you in the universe. Right? So, so, so when we're talking about reverse mythology, we got to reverse a lot of myths that we caught, right? Uh, scientists themselves are in this myth. Hey, well, we can't prove that there's a creator. Well, even if you're talking about natural law, you cannot have natural law with made from what was created, right? Or if you're saying that the universe created itself, right? The universe cannot create itself. The universe has to come from something and has to be within something, some laws that are created. And if these laws are created, including the laws of time, then you can then you can identify how old the universe is, supposedly, right? How you doing, brother Richard? That's just within itself, science, scientific, right? If you have a law, then you're saying you can't step outside of this law. That's when they have these theories. Theories are different than laws. They'll treat them as law until they realize the theory is not correct, and then they wash away the theory or only pick and choose little pieces out of it because they realize only pieces of that theory were lawful. And even by definition, theories have to be based within law. So if you give me a theory that doesn't um, sit inside natural law, if you give me a theory that doesn't sit inside of universal law, that theory, right, is no longer a theory. That's why they have to scrap it. Okay. So now when we get into these myths, these theories, and these things that you're living by that you call law, but really statutes, we have to start looking at where they come from. So back to Zeus. Zeus is an interesting case study because, once again, this is the religiosity of what people are living under. Even Jesus, Jesus, means half man, half Zeus. Or some would even argue it means praise Zeus, whichever one you want to go with. But we know that Zeus is in the title, right? So if we're going to talk about it, that we must realize that Zeus himself influences the Christian mind. Now, I'm not a Christian. But I, I, I must confess, I was one, and I must confess that even when I realized, well, I'm going to church and I stopped being a Christian, still going to churches, I was heavily influenced for a majority of my life. And I didn't grow up in a church. I did grow up a Jehovah's Witness. I did grow up preaching, right? But I'm, I'm here to tell you that I was influenced by a lot of Zeus-like thought process because his name is in this title called Jesus, Jesus, Yesu, Jesus, and I'm sorry, I, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly at all. Is it Gawinkin? I don't know if I'm saying that right at all. Please forgive me. Um, thanks for being part of the community. I don't even recognize the uh, the culture, the language of that name. So please forgive me. Uh, right. But thank you for being on. I appreciate you. Um, and thanks for being part of the community. How you doing? But uh, Brother Charles Greer. We got Charlie over here, Brother Charles. I'm not. So how you doing, Sister Dawn? Shabbat Shalom to everybody coming on. So so I have to realize that I've been influenced by Zeus, whether I like it or not. And I should put, as we read in Exodus chapter 20, there should be no other form of Elohim or any other gods or any other. He would be a deus or deity. I should not put any of them before the most high. How you doing, Victoria's Bounty? Right. If I do this, then I'm guilty of being somebody who's really blaspheming, for I'm saying that I'm a child of the Most High while worshiping Zeus. Right? Did you catch that? It's, it's, it, is, it is vital for us. Right? And forgive me, I'm a little all over the place. I'm moving kind of slow. Last night was a little rough for me. Kung Fu was a little rough on me last night. I did well, but I think I overdid it. So forgive me if I'm a little if I'm a little off today, uh, but I promise you you're gonna get this word today. I'm not, amen. So it's important that I recognize, right? It is important that I recognize that there's some Zeus-like behavior tied to my psyche. What does psyche mean again in the Greek? 
How you doing, Sister Tuana? What does psyche mean in the Greek again? What does psyche mean in the Greek? We got it. We got it. We got to make sure. There's people to tell you that we're off on this and that we don't know what we're talking about. You got to know this word for yourself. Amen. Come on, Sister Kimberly. Come on, y'all, son, man. I see y'all. Right? Come on, Sister Say. It's, 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 it means soul. <laughs> he did. You know, we had different classes, but he, he actually did really well last night. It was rough on him, too. Shifu had us doing some stuff last night that was, whew, but we got through it. How you doing, Sean? So, so yeah, so... So I have to recognize and realize from the from the jump. I have to realize and recognize that that's that's that my soul, my psyche, is tied. Yeah, psychology study of the soul. Come on, right, right. So so if my soul, there's even songs people sing, right? My soul is anchored in the Lord, right? Well, but if my soul is about the Zeus character, is it truly anchored? Come on, somebody, right? You might not like my saying it like that, but that's the truth. If, if, if my soul is into Zeus, then am I really following the way? How you doing, Brother Jermaine? Right? This is the issue that Israel has had quite often. This is the issue that people had before Israel. This is the issue that people had pre-flood, um, where they wanted to say that they were part of the Most High. They wanted to be his creation, but his children, not so much. Right? And so we should be at enmity with anything that is demonic. So as we go through the study of Zeus, we'll find out pretty quickly that Zeus has some demonic stuff. Matter of fact, remember yesterday, we started off by saying if you've got to know Zeus, you've got to know his background and what he's born out of. Because Zeus is not just some random person. Zeus has some stuff that you would automatically assume if you're dealing with the spirit, right? Even though it's created by men. But if you're dealing with the spirit that's supposed to be reversing what the Most High has put in place. Well, you got to see that the spirit of Zeus is dealing with some very wild stuff that is his father or his source. Right, we talked about that yesterday. Right, um, if you're going to talk about Zeus, and he's going to be affecting our community, going to be affecting our culture. First things first, you've got to realize that Zeus comes from his his great grandmother, who's also his grandmother, because of a lot of incestual things that they're dealing with. Zeus himself, right? So it deals with a lot of people who were the first Titans, right? You, a certain type of what you call God, and these first Titans. Right, who are the ones who came from nothing? One of them is Gaia, and Gaia is who you call the Earth, right? Right. So, some of you who are in your global thought process or whatever, or if you're in your flat Earth process, whatever the case might be, if you're in your biblical version of what the Bible says, um, or what the Bible origin, what the Earth actually looks like, you would see that Gaia, according to the Greeks. Now, you must recall, once again, what did we say earlier? This is reverse mythology, this series, and today we're talking about Zeus. So, if the Greeks came after the flood, if the Greeks come after Israel is already said, if the Greeks come after the word of Yah, and then they're mixing iron and clay, and Zeus is being introduced into the Most High's word, and now it's being to where people are making Zeus interchangeable with the Most High, right? Then you have to you have to realize that Zeus came after, and Gaia comes after, and Uranus comes after, and Oedipus is going to come after, and Atlas comes after. All these things they come after to try and describe the same thing that the word has already said, and the same people who they learn from to go from nothing or whatever they were using the time to alphabet from the alphabet to the alphabet. These are the same people who are who are realizing that there's a um, 
that creation exists. And so these people, especially when they become what you call a country and they go from city states to a country, they're redoing everything to try and make sure that it fills in and tells the same creation story, but uses their deities, their spirits that they worship, their gods, their titans, their humans, their demi deus or their demigods. This is why, once again, yes, Zeus, half man, half Zeus. Pontius Pilate knows that he is not of this world. He knows he's going back to his father. But in his culture, what do you do? You realize that there's half man, half Zeus. So he writes a title, which is not the only title he writes up. First, he calls him by his name, Yehoshaphat. Then after that, he calls him Yesus. He, he refers to him as Demideus so that everybody around will know who this person is. Because many people in Israel at the time of Christ's death, whether they were Israelite or not, they weren't even speaking real Hebrew anymore because there was so much mixing and matching of culture there was so much colonization right and so since colonization leads to gentrification gentrification often leads to um, lack of self-identification he's writing these things out so we have to reverse the mythology to where we've fallen for the okie doke to where in our mind this stuff actually makes sense that people we shouldn't use the interpretation of what the most high says so if we're looking at zeus Here's the thing. Gaia is what you call the Big Bang. Now, somebody, we, we talked about this yesterday. Let me add a little something on this. Gaia is the Big Bang, or her siblings and her are the Big Bang. There was nothing, and then all of a sudden they exist. Um, and we know this for a fact, uh, or, or we, and we know that this affects us, because not, not only your Big Bang theory, and as I said yesterday, I know that it's not actually originally referred to as the Big Bang. Nevertheless, what we call this Big Bang theory, which now people are saying is not the theory you should go off of, they've changed it again. But when you go into this stuff, you have to realize stuff has changed. For example, why do you call an atom an atom, not an Adam, not an atom, but you call it an atom? Right? Why do you call it an atom? Right? Ask yourself, why do you call an atom an atom? Right? Supposedly, at one point, thought to be the smallest um, thing that you can have. Well, that's because it is part of a religion. There's a cup thought, and thank you for the love. There's part of this Greek thought process, this Greco Roman mindset, where there was a Greek belief system where one of their priests slash scientists said that he believed this is thousands of years ago right he says oh i think that all of us are made up of very 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 small particles he hasn't seen it there's no microscope at this point but he says everybody has to be made up of small material and the smallest we can get to is are what are called what atoms so they discovered eventually what you could now call atoms and they said okay and atoms by the way is, is a catch-all word it's, it's a way of saying very very small there's many different types of atoms but they say these atoms are supposed to be see the greek mythology is correct and they taught it in class as if it was scientific or as it was a fact they never told you it was religion right how you doing noel they never told you it was religious they just said it was a fact Right. So here you are believing this is a fact and trying to use their context. That's what we told you this facts and contextual facts. But if the context is off, then the facts are off. Right. Come on. So so contextual facts and out of these facts, you have to recognize and realize or what they call a fact. And by the way, even by law, a fact is not always a truth. That's why context is very important. 
We don't know this, but lawfully speaking, if you look up what a fact is, if you were to go to court and you were to bring facts in front of the judge, it doesn't mean that the judge is going to say every fact is true. Okay? So always remember that when somebody's out here telling you that this is a fact, this is a fact. Sure, we want facts, but it doesn't mean that they're true and it doesn't mean the context or what they're telling you about the facts are true. Okay? So, but, but... This person told you that there were atoms, so they found these small things. They said, see, there's truth. That's what the, the, what the Greeks believed was true. They named it an atom, right? But then realized there were things smaller than that. And so they said there are subatoms, subatomic particles now, right? And so we're getting to all these different things now to where they realize that, hey, you know, but, so they didn't just say, well, there's a new atom or, okay, this is not an atom anymore. These are actually atoms, but they changed it. But these are why, where these words come from. So the same way that you can be using something and not even realize every day, Right. That somebody's serving you up something that's culturally from something else that's coming from a belief system where they have to have faith and everything in it. They won't tell you these things, but then will tell you that you're wrong to have faith. But they're working their faith. Faith with works to try and get manifestation. And here you are trying to work their faith. And at the same time, act like that's what you believe and which is the truth and what the most high says. And you're trying to figure out how to make sure that what they say is scientific is what the most high says is scientific and trying to figure out how they, what they say is righteous. And that's why a lot of you have left even believing what the word of Yahweh says as far as how the world was formed. Matter of fact, Roman Catholic church, I'm sorry, I keep saying matter of fact, <laughs> Roman Catholic church, which actually translates into the romantic universal circus that's literally what roman catholic church means romantic universal circus and in their circus they change the day of worship from at least their seventh day it's not our seventh day but their seventh day saturday till sunday to the day of this worshiping the sun and they changed it to global cosmology and they hired nicholas copernicus literally raised him up and then when he didn't want to put out his findings because he agreed with people such as martin luther that if you change creation people you're going to change the way that people view the most high and you're going to change the truth all right but they, they they actually off him with poison and while he's still in his on his last leg in his bed in his final resting place at least while he's alive they they are they are putting out his book anyways and in the beginning of his book he says i really don't want to put this out Right. When you read his book, he says, man, I really I'm pressured. I really don't want to put this out. I promise y'all like everybody putting pressure on me and stuff. But I've really been doubting. Should I even put this out? Now, why would the author who believes in global cosmology and believes that now the sun is the center of the universe and then eventually the center of just, you know, um, of, of the soul of our solar system? Right. Why, why would this person say, I don't even necessarily want to put it out? Yeah, change to make the Pope. Well, the Pope was already the father. The Pope, not only their father, the Pope is the son, too. Remember, the Pope is the vicar. So the Pope is supposed to be the representative of Christ. Matter of fact, he's supposed to be Christ on earth. A lot of people don't look up that term vicar and look at what they mean. And they're telling you he is the personification of Christ on earth. That's why the Pope and his priest, by the way, too, have the ability to, to forgive you the same way that Christ can. That's what, that's who the Pope is supposed to be. So that's why he can, you can confess to him and, and, and you don't confess to the most high. See, we can confess to the most high. You can confess things to your brother, your sister too, right? But we know we can confess to the most high and when we confess to the most high, he can deal with it, right? We can ask him for forgiveness, but no, in their culture, you can't just go to the most high. You have to go to who? You have to go to a priest and the priest only. This is why some of you come to your pastors and your ministerial staff and all that all the time. And you're, and you're looking for them to forgive you 
When the reality is, is that you should make sure your hover forgives you and maybe walk through a new way of living. Once you're forgiven to repent, you can walk that through with somebody. Or if you don't feel like you're forgiven, then fine, talk it through with somebody. But the most high is is, is ready for you to come direct. Right. How you doing, Bear? Thanks for being on. Right. How you doing, Mad Bear? So 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 we have all this really weird stuff. It's mythology. Yeah, it's tainted. It's blatant blasphemy. Right. Um, it's, it's so the same thing with the Zeus thing. So we know that the earth is created in a certain way. Right. Even the Bible declares in the beginning there was nothing. Right. And by the way, when they try to tell you space is nothing, no space is is a actual tangible thing. Right. So in the beginning, there was nothing, not even space. Don't let them try to fool you. There was nothing. Not a thing. Right. And then Elohim said, right, Elohim created the heaven and the earth. Right. He created what? So, Barashat, Bara, Elohim, Chamiyan, Adarats. Right. He created the heaven and the earth. This is not heavens, plural, but only one earth, one heaven. This is not, right, there's only one heaven that is talking about here. There are more than one heaven, right? There's a heaven you breathe in. There's a heaven that is that acquire, which you call the firmament, based off of the Uranus thing. And then there's the heaven that the Most High sits in. How you doing, Tiffany? Thanks for being on. Right? So, so, so well, that's a great question, Noel, but many will. <laughs> Usually because of pride and some other things, right? But, so, so, so here we have heaven. And it's, which heaven is it talking about? Well, if we continue to read, in beginning, Elohim creates the heaven and the earth, right? So there was nothing in beginning, in the beginning of what we call the physical, right? What we might call the physical form, right? The physical manifestation, the kingdom expanding to where now it's expanding from just spirit to where it's so expansive it has to actually create a new verse or a universe. He has to now speak something else into existence. And in speaking this into existence, what? In the beginning, the earth... Right, it's focusing on Earth. But remember, Gaia is supposed to be a new manifestation. That's what they're trying to explain. Is Earth is Gaia, right? For us, the Bible says declares what that that He creates a heaven and earth. Which heaven? We're going to talk about specifically. But He creates heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void. What does without form and void mean? If I was in a room. And there was something that, what, what, what is it right now that you could say technically? I know you could say on a subatomic level and an atomic level and all that. But what is it that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with right now that is without form? And it's void, in a sense, right? There's an empty space, void, right? I could talk about gas, right? And then what happens to the gas, right? It was without form and void and darkness fell upon the face of the deep. There's a cooling down that starts to happen. This is scientific, right? There's a cooling down. Gas, right? Gas without form and void, empty, and then all of a sudden, right? Because if there was water in here, if there was liquid in here, right? If we just go straight to liquid, liquid's not empty. If liquid was filling up the room, I, first of all, these devices wouldn't work. I wouldn't be able to breathe. I eventually wouldn't make it. Right. If I was locked in a room full of water. So water is not without form or void. It even takes on form. Right. Water can actually move things. Right. Water can take on form, but it's not void. It's not empty. And it's not necessarily without form. Right. It takes on form, so to speak. It is a form. It's H2O. Right. Um, so 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 it's without form and void gas and then darkness fell upon the face of the deep. Or darkness upon the face of the deep. There's a cooling down, right? And as it cools down or as these things slow down, as order is introduced, then what happens? These things start to slow down. It liquefies, right? And it says, and then the spirit of Elohim, 
right? Ravach HaKodah, she moved, or even some versions say she hovered, she moved upon the face, the surface of the waters. And where she moved, right, the wisdom that she brings and all that, the word that she's bringing when she moves, it says, Elohim said, let there be light. And there was light. 